Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 11 of the big show, some enforcer based podcasting coming at you here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, guys, it's uh, here we are, another Wednesday. Another episode, actually this weekend I was up at the in-laws cabin, up at the lake, we got busy, and uh, this week is just, uh, actually last, the last week's been fairly busy on a, on a personal level, so um, yeah, um, the only thing that's, uh, so this, this episode I was sort of, um, there's a few things I want to address, um, obviously some social media uh, topics that we had that we had uh, knocked back and forth on Twitter over the last week, <clears throat> as I like to do. Um, another top ten, like I said, people have really really been getting into lists. People really dig the lists, so uh, it was suggested to me by my boy Scott out there in Fort Wayne. He goes, "You should do a top ten Saskatoon Blades fighters." So all right, that's uh, I think I could do that. Uh, so we'll do that and. Um, you know, I would, uh, I think we probably have to address the, you know, we'll, we'll you know, the, uh, the craziness that's, that's happening in the, in the world and, uh, down, down in the United States and, uh, well, all over the world, but I mean, it's really, um, you know, hit the United States here and, uh, I will, you know, I'll talk about that, but first, um, which I do for, well, I'll do this first, um, Last week, I put up a tweet. Um, there's a, a website called Chartables, and it, and it takes all your download numbers from um, Spotify and iTunes and you know all the different platforms, and then you and then they rank you. And <clears throat> again, I don't know the um, what's how accurate everything is, and uh, but it was brought to my attention to have a look. And uh, this podcast was actually ranked 18th in Canada. Um, I said, I don't, apparently I don't play well in the States cause uh, I think I was right behind the, you know, the fucking Des Moines rec league podcast. I think I was about 203 or something. Um, although apparently this week I think I moved up to a hundred and some, you know, but, uh, regardless, I, I mean, I, the, the ratings were nice to see, uh, you know, in terms, I mean, whatever I said at the end of the day, um, the big thing for me is it's always nice just to know that people are listening. And, um, you know, and I, and it's not like, oh, somebody, I want to be number one. Okay, well, that's, I already know with spit chicklets and everything else, that's never going to happen. And uh, so, and I understand that the ratings will go up and down based on, uh, as I, because I have done this for a while, I know it's based on who your guest is. And my name alone certainly isn't enough to, you know, I know I have, uh, you know, some, uh, some dedicated listeners, 
that are there every week, and I appreciate everybody that does that um, very much so. So, and I know that, but I said overall, I said I know it's the name of the guest that'll bring in the bring in the the listeners. So, but uh, I just wanted to bring that. I tweeted about it, and uh, <clears throat> it was more just to uh, put it out there for you know. Well, first of all, for maybe future guests to look at and be like, okay, well, the guy's not a complete putz. I mean, you know, people actually do listen and, you know, so, because, you know, get, again, getting, getting uh, guests is the, is the constant battle in the podcast game and, uh, you know, um, but like I said, this week was, was busy and things were going on and, uh, you know, up at the lake and, uh, had a lot of fun up there, but man, I said, I need to come back to work to get time off. Oh, cleaning eaves troughs and putting up satellite dishes and taking down sheds and hauling and yeah, lifting. And yeah, so it was, uh, I got to talk to my union, <laughs> but, um, we got that done. So it was all good, but man, driving up in Northern Saskatchewan and it, cause it's funny, you'll be driving in Saskatchewan. I mean, it's prairie and farm fields and flat. And then all of a sudden you, get across that bridge in Prince Albert and next thing you know it's uh you're in forest and trees and uh it's it's quite the it's a such a dramatic change and um yeah the drive home on Saturday night was uh you know it's late at night 10 o'clock but it was you know it was just peaceful and you know it'd been a long couple days so I mean it was quiet car ride but just looking out the window and you know it was just uh you know it gives you a lot it gives a person a lot of time to think and uh, I'm not trying to get too deep here on you or anything, but, um, you know, with all the shit going on in the world, um, I was going to say on Twitter, it was I was mentioning something and just some random person out of the blue kind of told me, well, there's more important things in life than a hockey podcast. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I completely, I, I completely agree and I understand that. I said, but it er, every day you could use that logic. There's a million things more every day, daily. There's th- there's a million things more important than a hockey podcast and posting pictures and whatever. I mean, th- this is all just bullshit. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, <clears throat> but I think you know there needs to be some escapism as well. Um, now, I'm not trying to say escape from the issues or anything like that, but I think people in life need obviously some sort of form of uh, escapism, I guess, and and you know and. They, and the people listen to the podcast about different things, and uh, you know, the, and people tune in and they want to hear on this podcast about in, enforcing and fighting and the physical side old time hockey, right? So, um, uh, so let's let's put aside what's going on in the world and uh, and and get into it. Like I said, one of the things I was talking about on uh, on Twitter, there's been a number of Twitter things that have come up, different topics, and I was going to address some of them. As you know, I like to do, as, as I said before. Um, <laughs> one of the topics over the last week was uh, was this whole Domi Scott Stevens thing. And the videos were going around Twitter of when Scott Stevens, the, two, the couple of the hits he threw on Domi, sent Domi flying. Domi gets up and sheds his gloves. And Stevens ducks and turtles. Well, he, didn't tur- well, he ducked away from him. And in the one fight, uh, or in the one clip, uh, Peluso comes flying in and fights Domi. And I believe in the other one, Mc- Randy McKay does. I believe. 
regardless, it wasn't Stevens. So then the big debate became, well, Stevens is a pussy. Um, well, and that, and Ty Domi was on, uh, I don't know what podcast he was on. It might have been Spitting Chicklets, actually. Whatever. He was on a podcast or a radio, whatever he was on. And Domi called Stevens a pussy. And I get it. Play against, there's guys you play against you don't like, and that's your, and that's Ty's opinion, and he did duck Ty twice. And so, of course, Leaf Nation and all these people, all, you know, decide to latch on to that. And they're going to run with it that Scott Stevens is a pussy. Well, come on. Okay. So, of course, first of all, all I went, I said, go to hockeyfights.com, type in Scott Stevens fight card, and look at that. Look at that card, and then and then say he's a pussy. He's got over 100 career fights, a Hall of Fame defenseman. He fought Dave Brown and Bob Probert multiple times. Jim McKenzie, Craig Berube, Dave Manson, Basil McRae, on and on. But because he didn't fight Ty Domi, he's a pussy. Okay. And I said, well, I said, the guy played almost a 20-year career, and you have these haters, you cherry-pick a couple videos, and then act like this is the... Well, see? This just... This is... These two, these make the statement for his entire 18-year career. Let's disregard all the other fights that he had and everything else, but just these two incidents. Okay. But I said, well, if we want to play the cherry-picking game, I'll bring up the Philadelphia Flyers game with Domi. When McCarthy and Berube and the rest of them chased him around the ice and he hid behind everybody and didn't fight. Now, am I going to sit here and call Ty Domi a pussy for doing that? No. I don't know what he was doing at the time. I'm not really sure what, what was going on there. But, regardless, it wasn't one of Ty's shining moments, I'll tell you that. But at the same time, you know, a little logic here, folks. Come on. You know, so, but it was just really interesting. Now, again, when I'm talking about Scott Stevens fighting, I am not in anywhere claiming that he was some great heavyweight fighter. I'm not saying that at all. In his younger days, when he was with Washington, he wasn't bad. He would let go and let her go. He had a really good fight with Jay Miller on my YouTube page that I put up. And in Washington, when he was young, he fought all right. When he was in New Jersey, he would he would hold on. and Again, but he would do it. You know, and I said, um, this is, and then, of course, the topic came up of, well, then you have the other side of the coin where people were, well, just because you throw the hit, why is there this mindset that you always need to fight? Well, and this is a, again, I've I've brought this up many times over the years. This is the this is the common myth that people like to throw around now that every time there's a big hit, there's a fight, which isn't true. As the numbers constantly bear out that it's not true, yet people will still cling to this like it's the gospel. Well, okay. I said, well, again, the number one poster boy for that, for that case, is Cromwell. Who threw how many hits and has zero career fights. So, no, clearly you don't have to fight after you throw a hit. So, that just blows that argument right out of the water. And somebody said, well, just because, and then this is when, well, just because you're physical doesn't mean you have to fight. No, it doesn't, but at some point you need to be held accountable. 
problem is, is they've taken that away. That they've taken that out of hockey now, so there is no accountability anymore, and it's consequence free. So you can run around like a goof, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to fight. You can just hide, and the rules will protect you. So Cromwell was a product of his environment, but and whatever. I mean, that's them's the rules. I don't, you know. All right, get away with it. But I said if we're gonna dark. But I said, people should know there's a difference between getting hit and getting run. When you're running people, then you have to pay the piper. And if you're not willing to pay the piper, well, one of your teammates is going to. So there's a difference. And the players know the difference. You can play physical on a guy. Gretzky got hit. Lemieux got hit. Crosby gets hit. But there's a difference between hitting and running. Which I don't think people are making that distinction. But anyway. That was one of the things. But it was... What an interesting conversation. And yeah, The day Scott Stevens gets called a pussy. But I guess, you know, because I mean, I mean, Domi said it. And of course, half the three quarters of the people arguing with me, of course, have Maple Leaf profile pitchers. So, no surprise, but, um, yeah, but yes, and, uh, you know, and I mean, and I understand people's hate for Scott Stevens, you know, you, you know, in their minds, he was a headhunter and, uh, you know, different era he was playing in and, and I, I, you know, I, I'm a, I like Scott Stevens. I was a fan of him, you know. You know, I didn't like what he did to... I, hey, he, he, he played hard, and that's what happens, you know. But it's like, I didn't like seeing Lindros get hurt. Of course not. But, you know, um... Yeah, so, and the hit on Korea and stuff. Yeah, that was... You know, those are tough shots to watch, without a doubt. And, um... But overall, yeah, no, I was a fan of Scott Stevens' game. And, uh... You know, am I am I glad maybe that that part of hockey went away? In some sense, you know, because I understand the head trauma thing, and um, you know, I don't want to see guys suffer from that. But I said, like anything, I said I think it's gone. I think the pendulum's gone too far the other way. So, but I mean, uh, that that's a that is a, a complaint for another day, but. Uh, yeah, I know, we talked about that. No, well, speaking of Lindros, it was interesting. Of course, then the other subject that comes up every once in a while is when they were, <clears throat> yeah, you just debate players and whatever, however you want to deem it, the, their greatness or whatever. And it's amazing to me the number of people that use championships to somehow justify a player's career. Like, they always dump on, oh, great career, could never win the big one, though. It's like, well, was that his fault? Like, I said, look at the goaltending. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, the Forsberg. And you, well, yeah, okay. that Say that trade never happens in Forsberg's in Philadelphia instead of Lindros. Does Philadelphia all of a sudden win a bunch of cups now? No. But with Lindros in Colorado, do they win? Yeah, I'd say so. In my opinion... My opinion, my show is my opinion. Do I think Eric Lindros is more impactful than Peter Forsberg? Yeah, I do. In their primes, 
I do. Lindros could do more. He was a physical presence. I know Forsberg. Hit. Forsberg was dirty. Whatever. And he would muck and grind, you know, whatever. But I, I don't think he scared anybody physically. Lindros scared people physically. Could fight. Could score just as like Forsberg could. You know, I, I think he could just take over the game. A lot of said Lindros could take over the game like no other player could take over the game in his prime. You know, and injury-wise, actually, I think Forsberg, I think Lindros played more games than Forsberg did, injury-wise. But, of course, there's this, well, Forsberg, he won two cups, so he was better. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, whatever. I mean, you got to use that logic. I mean, Aginla, Marcel Dion, I mean, you know, you know Dan Marino, like, it gets held against them. Well, how do you justify championships in a team sport? I mean, at the end of the day, these guys made everyone around, like Lindros made everyone around him better. Had you heard of John LeClaire or Michael Renberg before then? No. They were in the league before Lindros was, though. You know, so obviously he made people around him better, which is the true mark of a superstar. But again, I always say, well, the problem is, is Lindros couldn't play net, too. You know, so, you know, I, I don't understand. Now, in an individual sport, obviously that's how you... It's championships in an individual boxing or golf or tennis or whatever, obviously. But in a team game, you know, I, I don't understand the championship argument. But and I know it's funny when people talk about Lindros. And again, he's a very polarizing figure. And people, it's funny you mentioned Lindros, and it's right away the Quebec thing gets brought up. And you know, fuck him, you know? Oh, really? Like. Clearly, the owner was a douchebag. What, didn't they move the team three years later? Well, Lindros was right the whole time then, wasn't he? You know, like, whatever. You know. But, I mean, anytime, I guess, a, a rookie gets drafted and doesn't sign, you know, it's the prima donna thing. And, yeah, he probably was and whatever. But, you know, I like I said, I don't know if his instincts were that wrong. He looked like he was, clearly he was right to me. But, uh, with the Quebec thing, um... But it's funny, like, yeah, they talk about Lindros, and then it's like, well, he could have been so much, he was so much better, or whatever, and it's like, the guy's in the Hall of Fame. Like, why are you talking like he's just some bust? He's a, he had a Hall of Fame career, you know? Yeah, it got shortened after the Stevens hit, without a doubt. But leading up to that, like I said, what are we talking about here? Like, you know, these people talk like, you know, he was in the league for five minutes or something. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, like I said, he's a polarizing figure, and I understand that. And yeah. It's just, it's interesting. But. One of the, as I was saying at the start of the show, sorry, I'm just kind of looking at my notes here. As I've been kind of the last couple of days, like I said, this has sort of been a last I actually really wasn't going to do a podcast this week. I was just going to kind of stick in a rerun on you guys. But um, then at the same time, a few things came up and I wanted to talk about. And it was like, all right, I'll hit record and just go. So, I mean, you know, a real lack of format today. I apologize. Um, But um, like I was saying, it was brought up uh, by my friend Scott about doing the top 10 Saskatoon Blades. Which... You know, you go through the Saskatoon Blades alumni, and it is unbelievable, actually. I just went on Hockey DB and kind of did an all-time... I mean, I live here, so I mean, I know what's going on, but when you actually see it in black and white and you're scrolling the list, it's like, 
Jesus, you know, like pretty some pretty bad dudes, and um, so I wanted. I, so he asked me to do a top ten. So I was like, I always kind of enjoy the top ten. So I was like, all right, people seem to get a kick out of them. So let's let's do it. But I want to um, first sort of put a asterisk beside this. There are guys, obviously, that I didn't see because I was too young. Um, that would probably obviously clearly be in this list, like a Dave Brown or a Joey Coaster. Well, they played in 83, so I was only like 7, 8 years old. So I don't remember them playing for the Blades. I mean, obviously you see them in the NHL and what have you. So you could just imagine how probably they were in junior. So obviously they would be in this list. Or you hear I hear people talk about Leroy Gorski or um, West George or... Um, Darwin McPherson, Pat Price, and stuff like that. Um, clear, and you know, clearly they would be on the list. Or Mal Hewitt, Dale Henry, stuff like that. But that was sort of before my time in watching, so I really can't. I won't do it that way. What I will do is I will basically. I'm going to do my list from about from about '87 on, because that's sort of when I when I when I started really going to games and, and like paying attention and kind of, you know, you know, how to saw enough or was old enough to be able to form an opinion or, or remember or have knowledge. Right. So sort of right in that Tony twist, Kelly chase era, um, is where, is kind of what I'll base my list on. So it's not a, a true, true, I guess in, if we're going to be a, we're going to be like that, a true, honest to goodness, top 10, because, Obviously, everybody, and of course, with the Blades, how long they've been around for, saying you're going to do from 87, anything before 87 doesn't count. I mean, again, we're mi- I'm missing a lot of guys, and I can, and I understand that, but, you know, humor me here. Well, you know, but I'm going to throw some names at you here, and this is my top ten. Again, everything's sort of, I always say with these lists, outside of one, two, and three, I think everything's sort of interchangeable. Ranking wise and whatever, but let's you know we'll throw some stuff out. We'll just we're all bullshit. We're all you know we're all friends here listening. So I'll let you uh, yell at your dashboard and then, like I said, go on Twitter and and uh, tweet me and uh, argue with me and let me know what you think of the list. But uh, number ten, I had Rhett Warner. Now this dude, Rhett, Rhett and I are the same age, so I mean I grew up with against him and uh, what an athlete. And, uh, you know, had a great NHL career, long career in Calgary and the radio now. But, man, what a hitter. When he was at the Blades, oh, you talk about Scott Stevens. Yeah, he laid out some hits. And I, always, and I know I always reference it, but it's true. If you go to my YouTube channel, type in, like, Rhett Warner or whatever, I got a bunch of his stuff up there. I got some hits, some fights. And he, and he wasn't a huge fighter, but when he did, he could go, I'm telling you. He could really, he's, he had lanky. And uh, he could he could put the fist down. Yeah, Rhett wasn't uh, Rhett could go. Um, number nine. This might surprise a few people, and he really doesn't get talked about in terms of fight fight wise because uh, he never played beyond junior. But uh, and he was a big kid, six five, big redhead kid, Evan Haw. Now I know some people might be who you know. No disrespect to Evan, but you know. Um, He's just one of those guys who was a junior tough guy. Big kid with the blades. He, they ended up trading him, I believe, out to Spokane. But he played a couple seasons here. And uh, I ended up getting the game tapes. And uh, so I was putting the... So I had, a real, I had a real chance to see a lot of them. A lot of his fights. 
and he was solid. Um, didn't lose many, and uh, yeah, just a tough, big, tough kid. And uh, had a kind of a real Wade Belakish look to him. He was big, played defense, big redheaded kid, um, and yeah, just really solid. Um, again, I'm not heralding. Oh, he could, he could have been Dave Brown. Yeah, I'm not saying that, but like I said, I've got the game tapes and I've watched them, so I've seen him. I've, I've seen a good majority of his fights, and he was really solid. Um, number eight, Sean Yakamishan. Now, some of you minor league folks out there might remember him from the Central. Uh, he played, or pardon, Central. Um, he actually might have played in the Central League a little bit, but I know he did play in the Colonial League. And uh, little guy, 5'9", you know, 180 pounds. He's from Manitoba, but a scrappy dude. Played four seasons with the Blades, always put up a ton of penalties. He actually might be the Blades' all-time penalty minute leader, I, I believe. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he was, um, again, he wasn't a killer, but just kind of one of those annoying Avery Barnaby types. Um, decent, you know, decent player, 20-goal guy, but, you know, 200 minutes, um, just a up-and-down winger, and just grind it out. But, uh, yeah, old Yak, I always enjoyed Yak commission. Uh, number seven, uh, Mark Raider, big Mark Raider, another big man, big D, six foot five. Some folks might remember him from the uh, Hockey Enforcers tournament, um, which was which was hilarious because I remember when the tournament came out and his name was up there. It's like, man, I haven't heard of that guy in years. So we were all pumped to see him. And I, I believe he ended up he had equipment malfunction. He ended up breaking his skate blade off or something. And unfortunately, he was out of the competition. And it was like, you know, like no one would lend him skates. Like, come on, you know, it was uh, which was too bad. But. Um, Man, I'd like. There's a guy. If anybody listening knows Mark Raider, he owns a bar. I got to go back there because they mentioned it on the Enforcers podcast. I know he was on Twitter briefly, and he, I kind of talked to him years ago on Twitter. But I mean, I don't think he's on there now. But I would. Uh, yeah, he was giving it to Dingman on Twitter. Like he was pissy with Dingman. Uh, I'd like to. I'd love to get Raider on the show. But yeah, again, big penalty minute guy with the blades. Um, I remember when they shipped him out. We were just choked. But it actually turns out they traded him to Tri-Cities for Todd Simpson. Uh, which actually turned out to be a great trade for the Blades. And I became a huge Todd Simpson fan. Um, there's another guy I'd love to get on the show. Um, but yeah, Mark Rader, tough dude, man. Big guy. He would kind of maul you. Uh, but yeah, I was a big Raider fan. And number six, who was in the same time frame was Rhett Trombley, uh, the Golden Rhett. Of course, everybody, in the, if you're a minor league guy, you know, Trombley went on and had a, had a long minor league career, and he was a tough dude, but man, and it was funny when I looked it up, and it seemed like he was here for a long time, but he was really only here for like a year and a half at the Blades. But yeah, put up a lot of fights. Actually, the only fight I ever remember him losing, he had trouble with Brant Myers. He couldn't beat Myers. That was the one guy he couldn't beat. But other than that, oh, he had some great fights with Kent Staniforth, uh, Brendan Witt, um, of course, everybody remembers the TSN game with Mike Cresping and Regina and the big letdown, but uh, they had pumped that fight up. They brought Cresping in just to fight Tremblay, and back in the day, they imagine that, they, Cresping had a big, big rep out in Ontario in Junior A, and so the Pats signed him and brought him in, and I remember the local paper, you know, had the tail of the tape, and it was the whole deal, and oh boy, it was going to be a, it was a TSN nationally televised game, and yeah, it turns out they squared off, and by the time they grabbed each other, they fell down, and 
it was not that it was a big letdown, but 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 other than that, though, when it came down to it, though, Trombley was a bad dude and was uh, as tough as they come. Um, number five kind of goes into that early era. That my first kind of memories of the Blades was Kerry Clark. Um, well, Wendell Clark. There was another guy. Could you know again eighty three, eighty four before you know I was eight, nine years old. I remember him briefly, like kind of a little. I remember him being really good and playing for Team Canada and stuff, but. I don't remember a lot of Wendell Clark stuff, but Kerry Clark, I do remember. Of course, I was impressionable as a child. Um, every time he would score, he didn't score often, but when he did, of course, he would do the moonwalk. Which, I mean, looking back now, it's like completely just ass-eyed, so disrespectful and whatever. But, you know, when you're nine, you think it's the coolest thing ever. But the thing is, he would back that shit up, too, because he was doing it at the start stuff. But, uh, yeah, Sharky was a tough dude, and, uh, yeah, but... Uh, but, yeah, well, speaking of, number four, I got Kelly Chase. Of course, everybody knows Chaser. and Undersized, but again, great 20 goals, 40 fights one year at the Blades. And But imagine him. And Ke- one guy I don't have on my list, though, and you could definitely throw his name, Kevin Kaminsky, um, you know, and Tony Twist. But imagine Kaminsky, Twist, Chase, and Kerry Clark on the same team. Like, man, the Blades were badass, man. Like, ugh. But, yeah, Chaser, uh, a lot better player than people give him credit for. Um, played a long, played about, what, three years in Saskatoon? Four years in Saskatoon. Uh, a ton of fights. And skilled guy with the Blades. I mean, obviously he had his role in pro, but skilled guy in junior. Fought everybody. Like I said, numerous, I have numerous, okay, try that again. Easy for you to say. I have a bunch of his fights on my YouTube channel when he was with the Blades. Check those out. Um... Number three was Darcy Hortichuk, and it was funny, because I, I always tell the story. I can remember sitting there with the, my friend at the Blades camp, and uh, at the time, the Blades were sort of looking for an enforcer, and there was this guy, wasn't very big, but he's running around just hitting everybody, just playing like a Super Bowl. And, and you know, and back in the tri- training camp, it's fight, pick your gloves up, keep playing, fight, pick your gloves up, you know. Well, there's this guy running around fighting everybody, and I kind of look at my buddy, I'm like, Jesus, and he's like, yeah, that's Hortichuk. From Yorkton, he's like, yeah, he's making the team, and uh, yeah, he played a couple years here, and he was outstanding. Sixty some fights in two years, and yeah, just a ball of energy, always running guys and hitting, and would fight everybody, and yeah, and you know, I've met Darcy a few times back then. Nice guy, and uh, yeah, he he was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, really, they kind of didn't lose too many, just a couple. You know, I know Stephen Pete got him, and I've all, I actually have all, and no, no disrespect, but it was a real surprise to us with uh, Garth Murray. Actually, kind of, kind of TKO'd him a little bit. You know, didn't knock him out flat where they had to peel him off, but I mean, you know, stunned him, and certainly, you know, one of those quick knockdown drop fights, and uh, it was in the playoffs too. It was like really, but uh, yeah, but uh, other than that, Hordy didn't lose many, and he was just, but like again, just a ball of energy and like just so much fun to watch, but. Uh, Number two, of course, um, Tony Twist. I mean, again, on my YouTube page, I got Twist Blade Fights up there. Um, pretty much fought the same style as he did in his last fight in St. Louis as he did in his first fight in Saskatoon. This those big loop and punches and hit to hurt. And I mean, Twist, you know, with anything, with age and everything. So everybody's going to say, how can he not be number one? Well, I'm going to preface this by... Twist got better. Even if you watch his NHL stuff, 
Twist was always a tough guy in Quebec, or he was first started in St. Louis, then went to Quebec and went back to St. Louis. But when he was first with St. Louis in Quebec, he was a tough dude. But he wasn't the same guy as he was those last couple years in St. Louis when he absolutely was dominant, scary monster. And people will like to point, oh, roids and whatever. I mean, I'm not, he did or he didn't, whatever. We don't know. It's not like he tested, you know, it's not like we have positive tests or anything. But he's a big dude, and I mean, you know, whatever. You can draw your own conclusions, but I can. I will put this out. I will say this, and I always say he wasn't the only one. All right, if he was, he wasn't the only one. I can tell you that. But regardless of that, when he was with the Blades, um, you know, I mean, Link Gates got him really good. But I mean, other than that, I mean, again, I haven't seen every one of Twist Junior fights, but the ones I have seen, pretty dominant in all of them. Um, you know, Tony Twist, man. What more is there to say? But my number one. Um, was Wade Belak, and uh, right out of the gate from uh, 16, dominant, big man, knew his role, was always there, every game, physical presence, thinking back on it, I don't, even in his NHL career, like Steve and I talked about in that one episode, when we talked, when he was talking about his all-time 25, I just think back on Wade Belak's career, and I really don't remember him getting beat up, so to speak. That same goes back and again, I'm sure there was fights he lost and whatever, and like I'm not claiming I saw every one of them. I saw a great deal of them though, and I don't remember him like again, he might have got out punched. Well, I'm sure he got out punched, but I don't remember him getting dropped or just like manhandled or you know, and he fought everyone. You name him, he fought him. And uh, you know, like I said, the great fight with Rocky Thompson's on my page, Dale Purrington. Toporowski, I mean, Sawyer. Um, I, like I said, I don't really remember him losing many. And, uh, yeah, so I got to go with with Wade Belock. And, well, well, the man, you know who his defense partner was? Yeah, Chris McAllister. How's that? Imagine that. McCall- you wouldn't go in either corner. But, uh, I mean, McAllister kind of grew into the role. He was a big kid back then, but uh, he sort of grew into the role. He, uh... Yeah, um, he was a tough guy when he was here, but he was still, he was just big and, you know, like a puppy with big paws, uh, growing into it, and he took some lumps, but uh, he certainly became a, uh, when he went to pro and, you know, and learned the craft, so to speak, um, he obviously became a much more physical force than he was in junior, but, um, and like I said, these guys were just kids at the time, 17, 18, 19, so they're finding their way. A lot, of course, a lot of them, it's not like, oh, you, you fight all the way up. I mean, these are their first times fighting, really. So, you know, you see them grow into it. And then I always say that was the great thing with Junior. You know, you'd see him develop. <coughs> Pardon me. You know, you'd watch him in Junior at 17, 18, 19, and then you follow him to the NA, or the minors or to the NHL, and, you know, you watch him throughout their career. So you, you've kind of been there the whole way. So it's interesting to see guys' progress and stuff like that. But uh, and Chris certainly did that. But uh, yeah, overall, I would probably say out of all the blades I've watched, and like I said, we had tough, you know, lots of lots of tough guys came through town. And I mean, um, like I said, I, I rattled some off at the start and um, with guys. And I mean, you know, Grant Choney and Shane Calder, and um, you know, like I said, Todd Simpson, um, Brandon Tidbull. Uh, you know, Garrett Klotz, there's another one. Um, old Richard Peacock, there's a name for you. Look that guy up. There's some stories of that guy. Old, old, uh, junior folks around here, you'll, 
your ears perked up when I said Richard Peacock. I can tell you that. You know what I'm saying. <coughs> but, um, yeah, there you go. There's the my my uh, Darren Saskatoon Blades top ten. But, uh, yeah, and like I said, uh, growing up, it was always very fortunate to always have tough teams. Uh, management always wanted a tough team. That was kind of the, you know, the mindset. All our coaches that we've had had that mindset. And, uh, um I would say pro, definitely pro fight media, which helped. Um, you know, Les Lazaric, the voice of the blades. Everyone knows Les. Um, you know, I know I've talked to Les personally. I know he's a fight guy. No, I don't know if he's like some diehard fight fan, but I know he never poo pooed it or anything. I mean, you know, um, he always got excited about the tilts. Um, yeah, so no, I was l- lucky to have that. Uh, you know, in terms of a fight fan, I couldn't probably find a much. Uh, a better junior team to be a fan of if you were a fight fan. So I was always fortunate to have the blades here. But uh, it's funny actually when you I always say it when you make the you draw the 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 not comparison but it's funny how just hand in hand the Saskatoon Blades and like the St. Louis Blues are. You know, you just look at so much alumni from the Blades has gone on to the Blues. Of course the Twist and Chase and and beyond that, I mean, uh, you know, just uh, Jason Christie and guys like that. Um, but yeah, it just seemed, um, you know, and m- many people might not know that Saskatoon, it came really close to getting the Sas- the St. Louis Blues back in the early 80s. Um, you know, the Blues were having trouble with the, the arena and management and they were, you know, on the bankruptcy and everything else and there was a real push to get them here in Saskatoon with Bill Hunter and <clears throat> and I and there's been t- many times that Bill Hunter has said um, if we had gotten the the St. Louis Blues here in Saskatoon that he would have hired Don Cherry as the coach. He has gone on record as saying that. So man, I wish. Funny how uh, could you imagine the you know could you imagine how things would have turned out if the if the Blues had come to Saskatoon? Crazy. But, um, yeah, guys, that's about it. Like I said, we got on about 40 minutes here. And, uh, yeah, don't, uh, yeah, most people don't have much to say. I don't know if they can rattle for 40 minutes. But, uh, yeah, just um, closing out, uh, like I always say, the Hockey Podcast Network is a sponsor. And um, I, I encourage everybody to go check out every NHL team's represented on the network, as well as, you know, Terry Ryan, um, you know, Hockey to Heroin, Brady Liebold, um you know, a number of different shows, uh, specialty shows, and, uh, and then with the Fight Podcast, of course, my boy Alec over at Five for Fighting, he's doing a great job. Um, you know, uh, Rob over at the Bucket Drop Podcast, um, he just had me on, we did the Top 10 uh, Montreal Canadian Fighters, that was fun. Uh, so yeah, go check out the Bucket Drop Podcast. Last episode, last, last uh, <clears throat> pardon me, last uh, Wednesday... I had Rob on my show, and we talked about his his adventure um, from the rec league to all of a sudden playing three games in the Federal Hockey League and fighting five times. And um, he has an he has an interesting story, a lot of fun to talk to, and 
I highly encourage everybody to go back and check those episodes out. Um, as well as uh, my last, every Sunday I like to put up one of my old player interviews. Um, this past Sunday I just had Sean McMorrow, um, which was a great conversation, very candid, up and down, minor league, great minor league career. Um, had his issues with a jail term, uh, you know, jail sentence of drugs and uh, the ups and downs. And he, he didn't shy away from it and he addressed it. And uh, uh, it was a great interview and I enjoyed talking to Sean. And we got in depth and we talked about a lot of things in his career. And uh, also at Joey Tedarenko, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre. Brad Wingfeld have, have, are all have been the last Sunday's uh, vault guests, so I encourage uh, everybody if you uh, to go in the back catalog here at, at the Fourth Line Voice and, and just like I said, this is episode eleven. So um, if you're just new to the show and this is your first episode, um, hopefully it's not your last. It might be your last episode. I don't know. Um, but going forward here as the summer goes on, I'm, I'm certainly going to get some guests. This isn't just, every week isn't just me talking by myself. Um, this week, like I said, it was just been a little chaotic. So, um, but I, I wanted to bring out content. Um, and, uh, and, and again, thank everybody for listening to the show. And, uh, like I said, the, the ratings have been, have been really, have been really strong since I've come back on the network. And I know the guys at the net, podcast network are really happy. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. And I, and again, I always thank you guys. And, uh, if you go to Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, 2000 fight, fight clips up there and just subscribe to the channel. I, I just got a whole bunch of new DVDs in on a couple of trades. And so I'm going to be adding content left, right, and center here. So if you subscribe to the channel, you'll always get notified when I put a new fight up. And like I said, some really cool stuff. I got some mid 90s Western Hockey League stuff, some, uh, 90s AHL with Fredericton and stuff. And, uh, just some different juniors, some different NA, old vintage NHL stuff. So yeah, you'll, I think you guys will want to definitely be around and check that out. Um, also, if you're, you know, on Twitter, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, check me out. Hit me up. Send me a message. Tell me who you'd like to get on. Um, hey, if you guys know a player that, you know, you should talk to him. He'd be interesting. Or I can get a hold of him for you. Um, yeah, please drop me a line and let me know. Like I said, it, boys want to tell their stories i'd love to hear them and i think people i know you guys i mean you know this this is your show this is your podcast you know we're here you know to get the players on and tell their stories and uh you know and you know going forward i got you know like i said i always say you know irons in the fire and you know hopefully some guys will uh, commit to time and uh we can sit down and talk to them like i said some 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 cool names that i think people really enjoy to to listen to and like i said if i if i didn't think they had a story i wouldn't ask them right so um, and that, and, um, I have a really cool, real cool concept about, um, kind of a, a different topic. I mean, um, not just, you know, have a player on, we're going to talk about his career, of course, but one of the, an, an episode I wanted to do was sort of a science of fighting and, uh, and, and really break it down and, and talk to guys about how they approach certain fights and, and what their mindset was and how they, you know, and just the, the mechanics of it, where to grab, what they like to do. And, uh, that, that's always sort of intrigued me as well. And, uh, I don't talk to a lot of fan, uh, fellow fans on Twitter and stuff that kind of gets brought up a lot. And, uh, I have a couple guests, they were previously on the show, um, that, that are, that have, I've kind of threw, threw the art, the idea by and they, they were really down for it, so and they've been, you know, putting some thought into it. So I think it would just be a really interesting episode. Like I said, it's never been really talked about before that I know of. I mean, in, I brought it up in interviews with guys, and they, you know, we sort of 
talk about it for a minute or two, and then you know we don't really expand on it or anything. So it was, and I think going something, and I, I'd like to do that and sort of like you know give them sort of maybe three opponents that they had in their career and how they approached each guy and etc. And then kind of link it up with the video of those fights, and so the people listening can go and watch the fight as we're talking about it. Um, I think that's kind of a real cool um, kind of concept. So um, going forward. Uh, I, I plan on doing that here in the next uh, month or two. Um, but other than that, guys, um, obviously I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, mention, of course, with um, you know, with everything going on in the world and uh, <clears throat> you know, um, there was a lot... I, I, I guess... I'm not going to go too deep into it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, what, what more can I add to it or what, what could I say that hasn't been said already? Um, you know, it's, a, I'm hoping going forward that obviously we, everybody wants change. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, um, the, 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 the thing I've, I've, I was talking to a guy at work today. The thing that I find frustrating, um, you know, I spend a lot of time on social media, and, well, which is frustrating enough in itself. But because you can't have a, you cannot have a conversation on social media; it's impossible to do. Um, <clears throat> but I said, it, it. I feel sorry for the the players and the athletes of these teams that you know they release a statement condemning the actions, obviously. <clears throat> and then you have people that, it, oh, that's just not good enough. They pick apart the the statement. But then, if on the other hand, if the guy doesn't say anything, oh well, his silence means he's condoning it. Ugh! It's like these guys can't win. You say something that's not good enough, you don't say anything, you're condoning it. It's just like, and then you wonder why you know people don't say th- you know these players don't say things. Um, I don't think anyone in their right mind could condone that. And uh, you know, and I and I said I I don't need professional athletes to come out and and make a statement about it to know that they care I don't understand that like hey if they do come out that's that's great but at the same time if they don't I'm not holding it against them like somehow they're excusing the behavior they just don't want to have the tough conversation well again you can't have the tough conversation on social media it's impossible to have because you just have these I call them keyboard activists. And, like I said, from afar, everybody can be, go on and on in in tweets and in Instagram and everything else. Everybody can be a social justice warrior on Twitter, on Instagram, or whatever. Well, what change are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're just sitting in your basement flapping your lips. Get out and do real change if you want change. Anybody can talk. So, I mean, really, I always say growing up I was very fortunate. Um, you know, obviously I grew up in the suburbs here in Saskatoon and um, middle class background. Um, but I, playing playing sports and, and everything else... Um, I was ex- I was exposed. I was always around um, people of color. One of my best friends was black. Um, I lived with Mike for years. Um, you know, so 
had native friends. Um, I was, we were always surrounded with it. So, and even at work now where I work with the government, it's a, it's a, a blend of, um, different cultures and uh, men and women. And, um, you know, so I, I've been, I've been fortunate in the fact that I have this around me. So I, I've never, I've, and obviously being white, I've never, I never dealt with it. So I'm not going to pretend like I know what it is, what it's like, because I don't. Um, and I'm not going to speak for my friend Mike because I, I, I never walked a mile in his shoes. I know I was around him. I never experienced it with him when I was there. But I'm not saying he never had issues. I'm sure, obviously, he probably has. Um, you know, we've kind of talked. We haven't really talked much about it. We might have had a conversation or two in the past. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, very fortunate in that fact that, um, you know, just around here, it was just... Um, I never saw it a lot. Um, like I was, you know, um, now again, I'm not saying it didn't happen or whatever. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, I'm just telling my story that I, I can't, I can't speak to it because I wasn't around it. Um, and basically, and like I said, um, I, I've always just said, just, just don't be an asshole when you're going through life. That's what my parents basically taught us. Like just, treat people the way you want to be treated and don't be an asshole. And if, and if you do see injustice, it was always sort of, you, you stand up for, you stand up for people there. That, that, that's basically the only, the things I'm going to really say on the subject. I mean, um, yeah, we do have to do better as a society. Of course we do. We always have had to, and this is just amplifying it. And, um, you know, I hope, um, I hope change comes, and I, I, I think it is slowly. Unfortunately, every there's always going to be racism in this world. Always, there always will be. It'll, it'll, you know, that's just the truth. Unfortunately, um, I just hope as as we keep going forward, um, I hope it, it's you know changes can be made, and uh, you know I. You know, that's the thing, guys. I mean, I, I couldn't go without saying anything on the subject. I, I don't, I have, I just don't know what to say. It's one of these, um, you know, on the actions of some people, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into a political debate on this, um, you know, um, whatever. I, I've, I've seen the actions of certain leaders and they're eye-rolling to me and, um, completely the wrong message and I've seen the way some videos I've seen the way police have handled some situations just escalating the situation shooting rubber bullets and tear gas into peaceful protesters and <clears throat> that's not how we do it that's not how you do it and then on other hand like you see in Flint, Michigan that's how you do it and there needs to be a dialogue and there needs to be talk And uh, but at the same time rioting isn't protesting burning down a target isn't isn't protesting. That's just being a criminal. And that's not helping anything. The problem is, that, and you get the bad apples in there, these these idiots that are opportunistic, and they do this, and they make the protesters look bad. You can see it, in and out, almost like, you know, it's like they have an agenda to push. And that's not, they're not about change. That's just criminal. 
And that's not what this is about. It's about protest and the voice and getting the message out there. And, you know, and again, on social media, it can be a cesspool. And I see these kids, oh, burn it all down. That's There's insurance. They can pay for it. Well, that tells me you're either young and stupid or just stupid. Because that's not how insurance works. It's not just magic. Um, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, Target gets all these tax breaks. They can rebuild. Yeah, but the corner mom and pop grocery store can't. That's insurance. That costs money. You're, you're destroying your own communities. So to sit there and say, well, insurance will bring it back, but you can't bring lives back. No. I understand your sentiment, but I don't... I, what does destroying a business do? That's not That's not for the cause. That's not creating conversation and change. That's just destroying where you live, which makes no sense. And just putting you further behind. So this is... I'm not condoning the rioters or anything. That's just foolishness. That's criminal behavior. Much like I'm not condoning the use of force by police into peaceful protesting. Like I saw the video with the girl on her knees there and the cop just kicks her right in the face. It's like, what are we doing here? Like, What world is this? This isn't North Korea. This isn't whatever, China, Russia. This is North America. Come on. You know, like, we need to do better here, people. And, uh, and like I said, I, you know, I'm not trying to make this some political rally or left or right or I don't, fuck your left and your right. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about be a better person. Um, stick up for injustice. I said, be the be the enforcer to injustice, right? Stand up for those that don't have a voice. Be the voice, then. Be the voice of change. And um, yeah, like I said, like my dad said way back when I was, like, you know what? Just don't be an asshole. So with that, folks, I mean, uh, like I said, I've not not I don't have the profound words or some epic quote to give you or or, uh, or anything like that. No, the last few days have just been. Like the rest of the world, um, I just watch and shake my head and just, I'm sad. You just, I just, it's sad. And I've talked to some friends down in the States, some Twitter friends and Alec and those guys. And I know the riding was right around them. And, uh, I hope you guys are staying safe. And, um, and not only that, hey, we still got a coronavirus out there. It's not like that's over either, you know. And, um, I really hope after all of this, the protests and everything and, people out there and everything, I, I really hope the numbers don't spike. That'd be terrible. And then around here, as, as businesses open up and more and more people are getting out, I mean, whew, you see these people and it's like, I don't know what they think. That's, oh, well, we're, we're opening up businesses now. Coronavirus is over. What are we doing? Come on, people, you know? Um, you, know 20, you know, 2020 sucked, man. And it's... Uh, I just hope people are staying safe and healthy out there. And, uh, you know, like I said, the last few days have been really sad. And, uh, you know, and uh, I always say I'm very happy and proud to be a Canadian. I'm proud of my country. I, I mean, we certainly have our issues up here as well. I'm not saying, oh, we're not racist. Yes, we've done, there's racism everywhere. 
Canada's no different, no better. We've, you know, our our the history with uh, with the native people is not good, and uh, that's could always be obviously striving to be better as well. And uh, but I I love I always say with the United States I love visiting you guys, love my American friends, and uh, I'm wishing nothing but the best for your country, and I I really hope. Um, a dialogue can be created and uh, and things get better moving forward we can get rid of this damn virus and you know I don't want to say get back to normal but you know you know you know what I'm saying it just you know let's get on with things and, and, and hopefully you know we can see better days ahead but um no, with that, guys, we'll uh, I'll wrap it up. And uh, oh, and just before I I kind of shut it down, I want to say a big thank you to uh, Dean Mayrad, who uh, out of the blue sent me his hockey enforcers pay per view jersey that he won the tournament with the old black a blue tournament. It's, again, it's on my YouTube page, and uh, I I can't thank Dean enough. What a it's an honor that he would think of giving me that jersey and. Uh, I always said he didn't have to do that. I was, I, I gave him shit actually. And, uh, you know, but I, and I will certainly, it has, it'll have a special place here. And, uh, like I said, when we get out of the condo and maybe into a house or something, I said, I'll definitely have that on the, on the wall and, uh, in the frame. And no, it's a real cool piece. And like I say, in, in, in kind of in hockey enforcement history, that's a, that's a, a huge Jersey piece. So thank you very much, Dino. I very much appreciate it. And, and everybody, um, I've had many people send me some, Kent Staniforth has always been great, um, Mary Jane out there, Alec, of course, Lee Brookbank with this footage, and uh, Jason Taylor, Luke Karate with the Trevor Gilly stick, and, uh, you know, there's lots of guys have, uh, you know, sent stuff, and, uh, and like I said, I, I try to help people out and send stuff as best I can, and DVDs when I can, or little knickknacks or what have you, and I mean, and it's and it's great when you see stuff come, you know, pay it forward kind of thing, or you know, someone's a fan and you hook them up, and uh, that's what this is all about. And uh, to be able to, and and it's all because of this podcast that I've been able to reach these people and and talk to them and and uh, have these interactions with these people in my life. And uh, and it's and like I said, it's all through this podcast and through Twitter. And uh, like I said, as much as social media can be a cesspool. It can be a very great thing as well, and and I and I cherish meeting and talking with these people and 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 calling them friends, and um, it's been great. And I, and I again, um, I know we kind of got a little heavy here at the end, but um, you know, going forward, I hope you know, guys, let's let's be good to each other, and uh, and like I said, let's just try to uh, make things better. All right. With that, uh, I'll sign off for for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, stay safe, everybody. Thanks. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?